This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, so here's some hard numbers. Six million men are suffering from depression each year. 19.1 million have an anxiety disorder. 2.3 million are affected by bipolar disorder. 3.5 million are diagnosed with schizophrenia. And an estimated 10% of patients with anorexia or bulimia are male, according to Mental Health America. And guess what? These numbers are actually expected to be on the low end of reality because men are less likely to seek professional help. So I'm partnering up today with licensed clinical psychologist and my former St. Elizabeth's Hospital office mate, Dr. Sean Walsh, to dive into men's wellness. I'm Dr. Alexis Moreno. I've provided psychotherapy to men and boys in a variety of clinical settings, community clinics, uh, psychiatric hospitals, and even forensic settings providing sexual offender treatment services to mostly men. Dr. Sean and I are going to combine our years of psychological study, research, and treatment to explain male gender identity, toxic masculinity, and men's mental health. You have questions about men's wellness? We have answers for you, along with practical tips and resources to help you and your loved ones navigate men's mental health. Welcome to Wit and Reason, hosted by psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. Dr. Moreno brings her expertise to providing smart and practical explanations on human behavior by interviewing diverse health experts regarding today's ever-evolving life and culture, turning social science and research into relatable, accessible, and useful information you can use. Listen now as Dr. Moreno brings a little bit of positive mental health to your day. Okay, so in order for us to focus in on men's wellness, let's quickly break down what we mean by quote-unquote men. There's a difference between a person's sex, gender, um, and there's great educational resources from Planned Parenthood that gives us a really nice and clear explanation to use. So 
When we're talking about sex, we're referring to a person's biological or assigned sex, this label that a person is given at birth based on medical factors, including their hormones, chromosomes, and genitals. Most people are assigned male or female, and this is what's put on their birth certificates. Now, when someone's sexual and reproductive anatomy doesn't seem to fit the typical definitions of female or male, then they may be described as intersex. Now, gender is a social and legal status and a set of expectations from society about our behaviors, characteristics, and thoughts. Each culture has standards about the way that people should behave based on their gender. This is also generally male or female, uh, man or woman, but instead of being about body parts, it's more about how you're expected to act because of your sex. And when we talk about gender identity, uh, that's how you feel inside and how you express your gender through clothing, behavior, or your personal appearance. So when we're talking about men today, um, we'll be referring to people who identify as, as men, so their gender. Um, so man, our society and research into sex, gender, and gender identity has evolved We'll be doing a whole show on just that topic, but for today's purposes, we'll be talking about men's wellness. We'll be referring to gender and all of the set expectations from American society about men's behaviors, characteristics, and thoughts. So Dr. Sean, what are the expectations for men in American society today? Yeah, so there, there's a lot of expectations, um, and certainly the ones that come to mind first are kind of the stereotypical ones, classical ones. Uh, man needs to be strong, mm-hmm. both physically um, and emotionally, uh, but also be confident while being strong, mm-hmm. and uh, both physically and emotionally um, successful, whether mm-hmm. that's with money or jobs or kind of things you can point to to say, this is how I know I'm successful. Something tangible, huh? Tangible, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and then self-reliant. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and, and I think that's maybe one of the, the bigger expectations that uh, kind of goes under the, uh, under the rug a bit is self-reliant and also connecting to people, but only connecting in a specific way. Mm-hmm. Um, sports is a big one. You can connect and be, show some emotions if it's in regards to like a sporting event or your team's doing good or they're, they're doing bad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, men don't call up other men oftentimes just to talk about how their day was. Right. Um, there's much less of an emotional connection there to other men, uh, maybe other people in general. So so there, there's a lot of expectations. And kind of the, the thing for me is um, what happens when men don't live up to that expectation mm-hmm. um, and the, um, the, the pressure to live up to that. Right. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about how that might be impacting men's mental health, that inability to socially connect with other people or, if at all, able to connect within very rigid, limited um, scenarios like sports Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe work or, you know, some kind of um, hands on project or something. Okay, so uh, what it means to be a man today. So. Obama had something to say about this topic, too, didn't he? Um, In uh, My Brother's Keeper Town Hall, Barack Obama shares his views on racial and societal pressures and how an exaggeration of stereotypes are unnecessary if you're confident and comfortable with yourself. So we'll have um, a link to this video uh, on our website at wittenreason.com slash shows. So, Dr. Sean, what stands out to you as a psychologist watching this video of Obama? 
So what President Obama had to say here I thought was fantastic yeah. uh, in many ways. but And I think he took a very psychological sort of perspective to it uh, as well. But um, the one thing that I really liked was what, how he focused on um, the need to dominate in relationships and how men connect to other people, whether it's through dominance um, or through support and how that dichotomy can kind of almost be like, a, am I strong as a man mm-hmm. or am I weak as a man? Um, and this idea that supporting other people rather than dominating them is uh, a weakness. Mm-hmm. And um, part of that, too, which I thought he did, uh, I really appreciate that he said, is that um, this comes from childhood. This yeah. comes from the messages we've learned throughout our life. And if, as a child, a boy doesn't have a whole lot of experience um, in respectful relationships in which um, they're kind of mutually reciprocal, mm-hmm. um, that there's caring and respect that's there, they may learn that respect is um, is earned by dominating mm-hmm. rather than through supporting. Right. Um, and the other idea, too, of like... Um, and I think you mentioned this, is that essentially kind of how do, with that in mind, how do we connect to other people? And maybe specifically with men, uh, it might be easier to, to connect with women, but not in the sense of like having one relationship that you've had for a long, long time. Like mm-hmm. you said with Michelle, he's had one relationship. Yep. He really likes it. She's a very independent woman. That really requires someone to share themselves in mm-hmm. a very real way, an honest way. Um, and if you're on the other side of that coin where you're just dominating in relationships or you have a lot of relationships that aren't very deep, mm-hmm. then then there's not that connection there. Right. And it, it does take a certain level of um, confidence and trust in a relationship in order to have that single person, especially if that single person's independent um, and may not be codependent or, or needing you in a certain way. Absolutely. Um, so it really changes or kind of removes that power dynamic and then just has that level of equality in there, which could be really intimidating for a lot of people. Absolutely. Or, especially if, like you pointed out, there's insecurity there. Mm-hmm. Um, if if there, there's insecurity, I feel like especially with men, that can be very threatening yeah. for anyone, but especially a woman to, to be independent and to share yourself with them. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, so that goes right along the lines of, like, how, do, how as men do we connect with other people, um, with women, and then also with ourselves, too, because you have to really know yourself in order to share yourself with someone. Right. And one of my favorite quotes from, from that video with uh, Barack Obama was, um, he said, being a man is first and foremost being a good human. Mm-hmm. So just kind <laughs> of forget all that other stuff. <laughs> forget uh-huh. all those other gender expectations, but just start at the core of what it means to be a human being first. And that includes needing that human connection, having emotional experiences, um, and I don't know, what else? And (laughs) And, and, and everything else. That's it. I mean, that's, that's, it's simple. It's simple when we talk about it, but sometimes it can be really uh, complicated when, um, uh, when there's not that communication. Yeah. Or we throw in all these extra societal pressures and Mm -hmm. everything. Which brings us to this phrase that's been thrown around um, a bit more recently, toxic masculinity. Now, as Mr. Obama alluded to in his conversation, there are some really unhealthy gendered behaviors that some boys and men portray. Um, So this phrase, um, toxic masculinity, can you explain to our listeners what that means? Yeah. So essentially, this is um, a way of viewing ourselves as men Mm -hmm. um, that is really rigid as far as 
Um, I am a man because I do these specific things, whether it's I'm a man because I have a good job and I make a lot of money, or I'm a man because um, I have sex with a lot of women, or, or um, I, I'm a man because, um, you know, I kind of drink whiskey and kind of don't take no, you know, guff yeah. from anyone. Um, and, and there's a fine line there because um, with the toxic masculinity, it's more of a focus on not deviating from that at all mm-hmm. and not doing anything that's feminine. Mm-hmm. And um, if that does happen, anything that could be viewed as feminine, that's where your quote unquote man card gets taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, in a lot of ways that can lead to a lot of pressure, I think, um, in men to live up to this ideal that really is not very flexible. And again, by doing these sorts of things, by focusing on I am the job I have, I am the car I have, right. I am, you know, who I'm dating at this specific time, it separates men from themselves mm-hmm. um, and really makes it difficult to connect. Yeah. And self-worth is very much externalized. So yes. you're only as worthy or as good um, as what you own or what you can accomplish. Absolutely. Um, and what I appreciated from um, it's uh, teachingtolerance.org had an article on toxic masculinity, and they explained that this phrase isn't saying that masculinity in itself is toxic. Mm-hmm. Masculinity is not necessarily a bad thing or a toxic thing, but there are, like you mentioned, some ways of just being so rigid within these expectations of masculinity that then becomes toxic. Mm -hmm. So when there's people arguing about this phrase in the news and they're making the assumption that people are saying that masculinity is in itself bad, I'm like, you didn't even read the definition, so stop (laughs) talking. (laughs) But I appreciated that like in the teaching tolerance um, article that we'll have on our website, um, it's saying that discussing toxic masculinity is not saying men are bad or evil. um, And the term is not an assertion that men are naturally violent or anything like that. It's just saying that this is how things can go, just like anything. If you go to the extreme with something, it's it's going to be dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's narrow in and focus on men's health and wellness. Now, we have an infographic for you to check out on witandreason.com. You'll see the stats um, that I opened up the show with. So we have five major mental health problems affecting men. That's going to be depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, psychosis and schizophrenia and eating disorders. But there are even um, really concerning facts here, even more. Dr. Sean, can you tell us um, more about men's mental health? Yeah. So in general, there's a lot of stigma still around therapy and mental health and that sort of thing, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, And especially so with men. Um, For a lot of reasons, we kind of talked about with the idea of toxic masculinity being too rigid with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, I think, in a more internal level of, um, you know, going through your life and feeling like you can't express feelings or there's not an avenue for you to do that mm-hmm. can really make you cut off from your own feelings internally. Right. Um, so I think there can be that resistance leads to men tending to not seek out therapy. Um, and, and this seems like it's across the board, whether it's with therapy, um, or like medical uh, services, mm-hmm. uh, that men have a hard time asking for help uh-huh. essentially. Um, and, it's really uh, sad in a lot of ways because uh, what we know is that with um, men, you know, experience feelings just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, like you just said, there's uh, certainly um, a lot of men out there who could benefit from services. And uh, the sad part for me is that the suicide rate is so much higher in men right. um, than in women. Um, 
which is due to a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that tells me that there's there's a, a lot of men who are hurting out there, that mm-hmm. they're feeling hopeless because they can't go seek help, and uh, they kind of don't know what else to do. Yeah. So what is it like for you to provide therapy to men? Uh, well, as me and myself, it's great uh-huh. uh, to sort of have those conversations um, w- with another man and, and kind of all the stuff that, that goes into it, whether it's depression or anxiety or, or work-related stress. Yeah. Um, the big part of it, though, um, that I've found is it's really difficult at times for men to engage in therapy mm-hmm. unless they feel like the therapist is not judging them, that they're truly collaborative, like they're with them, right. um, and that they understand mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, otherwise, it can be a really, really scary place. Um, even though, you know, with therapy, everything's confidential and there's, you know, logically we know that the therapist isn't going to go out and just talk about someone's business. Uh-huh. I think there's still that fear there um, on, on a pretty deep level that somehow they're going to be found out and yeah. their man card's going to be revoked because they're in therapy and processing and, their emotions. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, what, what usually brings a man into psychotherapy? What, what, what does it finally take for somebody? Uh, to seek help that that you find, at least in your experience? So there's been, I I guess, two main things. One is um, they talk about how their stress is Uh job-related, that Uh um, it's not that they're having feelings of depression or they're anxious, it's that their job is so stressful Mm -hmm. that it's leading to these feelings and they just want help managing the stress that goes into uh, everyday life, which is it's certainly an issue. Yeah. Uh, but then once you start to peel the onion back a little bit, mm-hmm. then you realize that there's a lot more actually going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it's a bit more comfortable for men to frame it in those terms rather than I'm having feelings of depression. Right. It's this job that I have. And if, nine times out of 10, the job is, you know, a very um, uh, high functioning job mm-hmm. um, that's very stressful and is very tied to who they are as a person. It's that that job is creating all this stress that's then leading to the depression to kind of displacing a little bit. Right. Which is interesting because as we talked about earlier, that job or that expectation for them to perform well um, and succeed in the workplace is something that it's the social expectation. So Mm -hmm. for them to come and seek treatment to function better in the workplace um, seems like a very safe avenue to kind of get into to therapy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And the other big one is that um, someone else, usually a significant other, says, hey, I think you need to go get therapy. Okay. And then it's it's not that I have, you know, the problem. Mm-hmm. It's that they think I have a problem. So I'm doing this to appease them, right. essentially. Right. All right. So approximately one in five men develop alcohol dependency during their lives. So how does a client's substance abuse impact your work together? Yeah. So this can be a big one. And this is another one where there's a fine line, mm-hmm. um, especially with drinking alcohol, because that is um, there can be something that's really tied to a man's identity right. um, that, you know, that I drink and I go out and have fun with my friends and kind of I have my drinking buddies. And that's kind of what we do. Mm-hmm. And that can turn into a crutch Um, in many ways, just a crutch in kind of experiencing internally the emotions that are going on that they're that are leading to problems, but also a crutch um, again with that idea of connection. Like Mm -hmm. if your main friends are just the ones that you're going out and getting drunk with all the time, then there's connection there. But it's a little bit different than kind of a true sort of emotional attachment. So Mm -hmm. that's. That's a big thing. And one thing that I found is, um, especially people who tend to binge drink, mm-hmm. uh, maybe they don't drink every day or like every, you know, only a few times a week when they do, they, they binge drink, yeah. is that um, when through therapy, when awareness is um, increased as far as what's going on internally um, and kind of they start to question, who do I want to be on this planet? Mm-hmm. Suddenly they're not drinking as much. Oh. 
And it's not one of those things where that's kind of the focus of it necessarily, but mm-hmm. that's a, a, a byproduct of just increasing that awareness. And definitely something that you have to work through in treatment if there's some kind of um, substance use disorder or addiction in order to improve in any other aspect of your life. That's one of the first things that you'll have to kind of tend to yeah, in treatment. Absolutely. So men may not say they're feeling sad or <clears throat> worthless which are you know, common signs of depression, but they are likely to report feeling fatigue, irritability, loss of interest in work or hobbies. So how do you work with someone who may be experiencing depression but isn't aware or isn't attending to their emotions in the first place? Yeah, that can be a tough one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and not uncommon uh-huh. uh, in general, but especially working with men. Um, the main part is establishing that collaborative relationship. Um, And that can be through a variety of ways, but just trying to connect with them on on whatever level Mm -hmm. um, at the beginning. And then um, usually what I try to do is start off very basic, just labeling what the feeling is. Um, Oftentimes, especially with men like this who um, have a hard time sort of connecting to the emotions there, um, they'll say something like, I feel like I should have done this differently. Mm -hmm. And... And it's annoying to people sometimes, but I'll point out that's not a feeling. That's, that's a thought. A, that's a thought. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's important to make that distinction. And, mm-hmm. and we're all guilty of, of doing this, but um, to make that distinction between, you know, what the, the feelings are, um, and I kind of label six big ones, um, and what a thought is, that kind of starting off on that basis can pr- provide some awareness to continue going down that conversation. Right. Now, the highest suicide rates in the U.S. are found, as you mentioned, um, in men, specifically Caucasian men over the age of 85. And suicide is the seventh leading cause of death among males. So how do these rates, I mean, knowing these stats, how does that impact your work with men? I think the big thing is trying to instill a sense of hope Mm -hmm. and um, uh, addressing the helplessness that might come from depression, but also how that helplessness might lead to times where um, hurting yourself might seem like the only way out Mm -hmm. of it. Um, So really focusing on that, trying to instill some sort of efficacy or an idea that um, things can change, Mm -hmm. um, that you can get over this anxiety or depression or whatever it might be, um, and really trying to make it a collaborative process so it's not so much um, uh, me saying, I'm the doctor, you mm-hmm. do what I say, mm-hmm. but um, let's talk about this together. Let's work on this as a team. You're not alone in this mm-hmm. um, to to really try to instill that sense of hope because hope can be very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, and especially with, with people who f- feel as though they kind of don't have any other option than to than to hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be one of, one of the things that's really, really important for them to uh, focus on. Yeah. And I mean, feeling helpless, especially with societal pressures for men to not be helpless, you know, Mm -hmm. to be solution focused, to have the answers, to be the problem solvers, Mm -hmm. and then to experience a symptom of of depression when being helplessness, that's got to be a really difficult place um, specifically for a man to be in in, in, in our society. Sort of shakes you to your core in a way of, of who am I on this world. And if I feel hopeless or helpless, does that mean I've lost my man card? Right. In a way. And that could be everything to a person, a person's whole identity. Yeah. 
Um, so if you've been struggling with gender or gender identity um, and expectations or mental health concerns and are you're not alone, um, definitely talk to a trusted loved one. Um, this could be um, if you're a student, like a teacher, professor, or um, even a therapist. We have Dr. Sean Walsh here. He offers individual therapy in Alexandria, Virginia. You could reach him at 202-875-5033 or find out more information about him at seanwalshphd.com and we'll have a link to your website on Wit and Reason. Okay. Um, definitely also check out Psychology Today. You could just enter your zip code, scroll down um, under issues and you could filter to find professionals who work specifically on men's issues. Um, and if you or someone you know is in crisis and they're having thoughts um, about suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 8255. Or you can contact the crisis text line by texting TALK to 741741. And um, you can also find support resources, a bunch of education at their website. We'll have a link uh, to that as well at afsp.org slash find support. All right, so now that we have a solid understanding about men's wellness, let's get to people's more specific questions. How does the idea, the identity of the male being the breadwinner uh, in society and also that idea that we want to achieve careers that are fulfilling affects our brains? Such a specific question to focus on. How does it affect our brains, mm-hmm. our, our anatomy, our physio- <laughs> physiology, not our emotions. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so the question in itself kind of is geared toward what's comfortable. Right. It's a comfortable guy question. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so there's a lot of ways that can affect our mind, which right. is much less tangible. Uh-huh. Um, but as far as our brains, uh, I guess the main thing I think is um, how stressful that could be, mm-hmm. especially like we we're talking about how um, if there is kind of a rigid holding on to what it means to be a man and I have to be the breadwinner and mm-hmm. I have to make this much money so I can survive, then that can be really, really stressful. Yeah. And stress can impact our brain in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's really important, uh, e- even if you think about it in a tangible way of like, how can our body change because of the stress around being a man and masculinity and all that stuff, mm-hmm. really, really important to um, try not to hold on to that so rigidly. Yeah. And if there is stress, to do the thing that might be difficult, but ask for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ask for help from uh, loved ones or partner, um, or even just trying to figure out what kind of lifestyle changes can one make so that way there's not all this pressure on them to fulfill this very particular rigid role. Mm-hmm. Okay, so not necessarily any brain impact as far as sex or gender is concerned from those uh, gender role expectations, but indirectly through the stress of Mm -hmm. (laughs) the gender role expectations. Yeah, the increased stress, for sure. We could see some biochemical and and brain changes. Yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and go to another question. I'm just wondering how men should be able to balance, you know, being kind of this masculine idea of managing emotions, um, while at the same time setting an example for children, uh, spending time with children and families and stuff, teaching them how to be emotionally intelligent while at the same time fulfilling this kind of manly stereotype of not ever really demonstrating emotions. 
Yeah, so this is one that's been on my mind much more so recently since I just had a son uh-huh. a couple weeks ago. Um, and really what comes to mind is to try to um, not adopt or even take on that stereotype mm-hmm. uh, that we can teach our children and really any other you know boys that we, that we uh, have relationships with to be emotionally intelligent by trying to be emotionally intelligent ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so explaining what's going on, uh, being okay expressing emotions, good and bad emotions, mm-hmm. um, and asking um, young, young boys, kids, adolescents, young adults um, what's going on to, yeah. again, try to connect with them but not just connect with them as far as what did you think about that game yesterday or what do you think about this band or something like that. Mm -hmm. Those are all good, too. Uh, But to go the extra step of talking through uh, uh, emotionally, internally, what's going on with someone. Right. You could hear from that person's question that they are struggling with managing both the societal expectations of what it means to be a man and how to be a nurturing, loving parent, Mm -hmm. you know, and those two, in many cases, can conflict. Yeah. So forget the role altogether yeah, <laughs> as best you can <laughs> yeah okay let's hear one more question uh so my question is that um is it true that men are not emotional they kind of um are not attached to their emotions they cover up like whatever they feel is that like a false assumption or is it true yeah, so I think that certainly could be possible, uh, given all the things that we've been talking about, kind of a, a tendency or feeling the need to not connect. But men are certainly just as emotional as anyone on yep. this planet. Women, anyone. Moral of the story is that we all have emotions. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so you can put all of the tips we mentioned during the show and activities into action today. Visit witandreason.com to get links to the resources we've shared on today's show and to connect with me, Dr. Alexis Moreno, and licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Sean Walsh. Did you hear something on the show today that you relate to on a personal level? Share your story. Send us your recording on witandreason.com slash speakup. And we may be able to post it on our Men and Wellness show page to help others navigate their gender identity. A special thank you to DC Radio, to Dr. Sean Walsh. And of course, thank you all for listening. Stay posted on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Wit and Reason and DC Radio for our next show. I'm psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. Let's keep the conversation going. You've been listening to Wit and Reason with psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. For more information, visit witandreason.com.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.comslash style for free shipping and 365 day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.